listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. Today, I have a very, very special guest on the show. I mean, you see him on screen already. Uh, I'm a, I'm not really ashamed to say this, because obviously when you understand who he is, you'll, you'll know why, but I'm a hellacious Knicks fan. But I got to say, this guy's a super Knicks fan, and he just run the uh, New York City Marathon. He has that gold medal with him. Please help me welcome my special guest, Anthony Donahue, to the show. What's going on, Anthony? What's going on, my man? How are you? Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the very nice intro as well. Of course, man. Of course, I'm doing well. Uh, in general terms, we're talking about the Knicks, <clears throat> which we're going to get yeah. into. Uh, you know, not so well there. But you know, before we get into uh, all that, a little bit negativity, let's talk about a little positivity. You just won. You just <laughs> sure. got your. You just got your medal. Yeah, uh, let, me, let me go grab that. Oh yeah, please do. <laughs> and he's definitely oh. going to go grab it too. I'm still a oh. little sore. As I get up a little bit, but you know, I'm getting right, there. Right. I started running again, actually. But here's uh, here's my medal from the New Look York at that. 22. Oh my goodness, New York City Marathon. You know, bravo to you. First of all, Thank the medal you. looks yeah. amazing. If you haven't seen him walking across the streets and looking at his Instagram, he's all over with that medal. And uh, I love, I love it though. I love it because I love the positivity. You know, I know this is a big moment for you. Three yeah, plus years well, coming. Uh, can you just speak about, you said it in your post as well, too, when you cross that finish line, it's like you, you had a new beginning, you started a new beginning. Can you speak a little bit about what you felt? when? You yeah, man. It, yeah, man. It's, it's been a really tough three years of my life with, uh, you know, I felt like life was going really smooth three years ago in the fall of 2019. And then one day my sister wakes me up in the middle of the night and she's having a stroke and she was only 20 years old. And that stroke was caused by uh, an untreatable brain cancer called glioblastoma. And, you know, we fought it for about nine months. And then she passed away on August 29, 2020. And then after she passed away, like it was like, I lost my whole world. You know, like me and my sister wasn't your normal brother-sister relationship. You know, I raised her basically like a single dad with, you know, our mother having issues and her dad leaving when she was a year and a half and never looking back. So, it was her and I through everything. And then, you know, she beat brain cancer when she was 12. And I was there every step of the way for that as well. So, you know, after she passed away, thankfully, I, I don't do drugs. I don't drink, barely. All I did was eat um, and ate a lot and, and ate very good. Yeah. But I got really out of shape and I got pretty big. And um, around uh, mid-April 2022, my friend Kirsten Kincaid, who helps run the Iron Mat Foundation, which is a foundation that helped my sister and I a lot, that um, helps families with kids going through brain cancer. So if your kid is going through brain cancer, what they'll do is they'll take all your bills and, and pay them. Wow. You know, so, so, you know, you've got a car payment, we'll take care of it. House mortgage, rent, um, food, you know, they take care of the, for the families. So um, Kirsten was like, you know, we have a team of marathoners for the New York City Marathon in November. What do you think? And I'm like, man, I'm so out of shape. And I've always enjoyed running three miles, four miles. I ran cross country in high school. That was 20 years ago. 
And I was like, Kirsten, I'm like really out of shape. I'm like, you're talking marathon. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, maybe I could train for a 10 K. Like, <laughs> it's the New York city marathon. You shouldn't pass up this opportunity. She's like, listen, because you can't just get in the New York city marathon. You know what I'm saying? Like they turn right. away a hundred thousand people a year. So she's like, listen, I'll sign you up and you start running see where we're at in a few months. No harm, no foul. I'm like, all right, cool. Started running in late April, early May, three miles. And I was much bigger. You know, I don't have an exact number, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever the case may be. Right. I started running. But when I started, I pushed myself a lot. So when I first started, I was bigger. So I probably shouldn't even been running more than two or three miles to start. But I started off at four miles, five miles, six miles. Right. Doing it five, I was doing it five days a week. Then by June, I, by June, I was doing seven miles, eight miles. I'd say by July, I started to see results in my body. Started slimming down a little bit. Started right. actually feeling lighter. All of a sudden, by August, I'm doing double-digit miles. I'm getting a lot slimmer. I'm feeling a lot better. And then, obviously, by August, I knew I was going to do it. You know, I knew I was going to do it the whole time. But by August, it was like, all right, I'm good. Right. You know, October came. I did a 15-mile run, an 18-mile run, a 20-mile run, numerous 11, 12-mile runs. I busted my ass all summer from July, from like mid-July on. It was six days a week running. Damn. Um, Six days a week. And then um, I got to my 20 mile run a month before the marathon. Then after you do your 20 miles, the next three weeks, you kind of scale it back a little bit to right. five days a week again. And you don't really go, you, you do like six miles, seven miles. I did a 14 miler the week of the marathon. I did a, a 10, a six, Man. five, three, some shit like that. Right. And race day came and it turns out it's the hottest New York city marathon ever. And it's my first. And not only is it hot, it was that classic New York City humidity. Yep. Yeah. Where you could cut it with a pair of scissors. And, yeah. you know, I hydrated. I drank a ton of water. I Man, I was drinking a ton of water all summer, but I drank a ton of water those three or four days leading up to the race. I'm talking two to 300 gallons a day. Damn, man. And race wow. day came, the gum went off in Shyland, and I never stopped. 26 point and i'm not faulting anybody that stopped if you stopped and you walked god bless you i was jealous of you <laughs> my thing was i trained to run the new york city marathon you know what i'm saying and again right. there was professional more advanced way more advanced runners than me that stopped and walked and honestly there's nothing wrong with that but i i watched my sister fight brain cancer twice once when she was 10 and she never quit she never stopped. So all I, my goal was just to not stop running for five hours. So I felt my, my shit was easy to do and I never stopped. And like, you know, going over that 59th street bridge, that was the turning point where I hit a wall and I got off the 59th street bridge and I got 10 miles to go and bro, I'm cooked. Honestly, yeah. I had nothing at the end of the 59th street bridge. I had nothing. That's a two mile incline. Two mile incline and it's dark. You're on the lower level. People are dropping. People are throwing up. People are pulling muscles. Some people are on the, on, you know, that side drive way on the, on the, okay. right, people right. are just standing there chilling. They're just like, I'm done. Oh, damn. So I get all, I get off the 59th street bridge. Now you're going up first Avenue and the crowd is like an NBA finals game. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe I'll get that second wind. Maybe yeah. I'll feel how I felt running through Brooklyn, running through Queens. 
and I never felt it. And I just like now, and I'm not that deep of a person. Now it's where it becomes mental. How bad do I want to finish this thing? Do right. I want to walk? Do I want to quit? Do I want to take a 20 minute break? No, I want to keep going. And I kept going and I kept going. And all of a sudden I was, you know, coming back down fifth Avenue. And then after that bridge, you still got to go over two bridges in the Bronx. You got to go over the 149th Street Bridge, loop back around to the Madison Avenue Bridge. Then you get off the Madison Avenue Bridge. You still got, you up in Harlem, you got to run down Fifth Avenue. Oh my goodness. And then you run down Fifth Avenue. The crowd's going wild. Right. Crazier than First Avenue. And then everybody knows the finish line's in Central Park. So now you go back into Central Park around 70-something Street. Right. Mentally, it feels like the race is almost done. Nah, son, you got three, four miles to go. (laughs) Damn. And then you're going in Central Park, and that Central Park oh, is inclined. Goodness. And then Damn. you go, then you have to go out of Central Park on 57th to 59 by the Plaza Hotel, go down that street, and then back in the park. <clears throat> and then you hit mile 20. The sign says mile 26. Right. Like I made it, bro. That last point two was like the hardest part of the race because you're like, it's like there's all these signs saying "Welcome to the finish line." I'm like, where's the finish line? Yeah, where is it? <laughs> Right. And then finally, like, there it was. And I ran across it. And I was like, holy shit. I just, I just ran the New York City Marathon. And you actually ran that shit? The, the whole time. Man, props to you. If anybody is not in... I'm about to go run after this. If I, <laughs> I'm so... I'm not even joking. No lie. That's such an inspiring story. Not only because of the mental fortitude you got to do when your body wants to quit. And you just yeah. got to push yourself when you get to that limit. But when you see other people give up, sometimes it's so easy to give into that and yeah. say, well, you know, they gave up too, so I don't feel as bad. But to push past that, that's... And it was hot. It was sticky. It was humid. Right. There was parts of the race where it was raining. And then after it rains, it gets even stickier outside. <laughs> but, like, I watched my sister never quit once. Right. How All I had to do was run. How am I going to quit? How am I going to quit? And I see, I think it's to be honest, that's your, that motivation, I think is what got you there. A lot of people don't have that. And yeah. for anybody who's listening to it, man, listen, motivation comes in a lot of various forms. Find yours and make it something and put it towards something you believe in. Do something yep. that you believe in because you could get it. Anybody can. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. I would Look say at- miles one for me. Every, every runner is going to have a different story of theirs. And that's obviously okay. I would say for me in the race, like when I did my 18 mile run and my 20 mile run, I was fine. But in the in the actual race, I would say miles one to 14 was physical. Right. 15 to 26.2 was mental. That's what it is right there. Because I was cruising. I mean, I'm not sure how much you know about running. So miles one to 14, my pace was like nine minutes and 30 seconds a mile. That's one crazy. to 14. That's a really good pace. Right. You know what I'm saying it might not be Forrest Gump pace, but it's a really good pace. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, I hit that bridge, and bro. There's nothing. I, I tried. There's no. I mean, obviously, I didn't fail because right. I finished the race and I never stopped. But I was just hoping to get that second win, and it never came. It never came. It was so hot. They, they, they actually. Fun fact: I'm not bashing the marathon here by any means. Obviously, of course, they ran out of cut. So there's aid stations every mile, right? With the exception of the bridges. So aid stations have Gatorade and water cups. So what you do for me, some people stop. I never stopped. I just grab a cup or two, you know, drink it. Sometimes you hold it, you know, and drink it. 
Yeah. There were some stations where they ran out of cups. Oh shit. Because it was because think about this. If it was 50 degrees, I probably would have stopped. There was probably on the race, probably 28 stations. Bro, I grabbed water or Gatorade at every one. If it was like a cool day like today, I probably would have grabbed water three or four times. Right. If that. So because of the conditions, people were grabbing water every station. They ran out of cups towards the end. Wow. So some stations you went by, the volunteers would pour water in your mouth. Oh, shit. Because it was so hot and humid that everybody was grabbing water and Gatorade. Wow, man. Usually, you would just grab it. If it was 50 degrees out, you would how it usually is in November in the city, if not colder, you would yeah. grab water every station. No, nah, not at all. No, every station. And my coach said, like, the day of the race, night, night before, she's like, you grab water at every station with this with these insane – bro, it was 75 and humid. It's craziness. On a running day, too. <laughs> run, yeah. That's just so, nuts. I, I did it, though, man. I did it. Yo, props to you, man. Bravo, especially. You deserve that. You worked hard for it three-plus years, man. I'm happy you got this. Thank and you. uh you're seeing a new beginning. I love that, man, to be Thank honest. You. I'm doing that every – just trying every day to uh, enjoy my life. And if I can inspire – a person or two or three along the way, that's pretty good too. That's a fact, man. That's a fact. Hopefully you can inspire the Knicks with some of that positivity because Anthony, man, we got we got we got a little bit of a problem, Anthony. Oh, uh, we do. We do. Listen, we, we were at you know the Celtics game. We saw we saw Hauser shoot so many threes. I don't even know who that dude is. I don't even know who he is. I had to Google him when I got home. And also what I Googled and saw was 27 uh made threes by the Celtics, a record that for was them. Cool. Dude, that was crazy. Anthony, can you get, listen? I, I've said it since Thibs was a coach, since coach of the year, actually, when I thought three point uh, teams who were good at the shooting threes just missed against us a lot. Personally speaking, I didn't think we really guarded the three properly ever since Thibs yeah, has been so coach. What so. I would say is up until five, 10 years ago in the NBA, you. You could leave shooters, not all shooters, you know, not Steph Curry, not Allen Houston, not Ray Allen, not Reggie Miller, you know, not Mitch Richmond in his prime, Mark Price, the list goes on. Right. But for the most part, you could leave guys open from three and dare them to shoot forever in the NBA. Um, so you could, you could, I'm not gonna get into the whole X's and O's thing. So you could let a guy drive and kick, and if it's just the average shooter. An average shooter is at best is going to be shooting 35% from three, 30% from three, 40% from three, if they're lucky. Well, the game has changed. The game has evolved. Yeah. You got some teams out there, one to five are threats from the three-point line. So you can't, so you can't just leave players wide open anymore. So when I'm watching the Knicks OKC game at Madison Square Garden on Sunday, when I'm watching the Knicks Celtics game at Madison Square Garden last Saturday, every so you know when a player drives to the basket and they miss a layup and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they missed that. That's how I felt during the OKC game. That's how I felt during the Celtics game when they missed a three-pointer. Like that's wild to me. And obviously Tom Thibodeau knows more basketball than I do. But at some point, you you have to change something. And I like Tibbs. I love Tibbs. I'm a fan of Tibbs. Um, you know, he, he grew, he's a Van Gundy guy. 
I watched Van Gundy closely as a kid and he changed things here and there. And Jeff was a stubborn coach. He would try new things. He would sometimes put Spreewell and Camby to get Spreewell and Houston together in the backcourt. Didn't really work that right. great. You know, didn't have a great ball handle, but he tried new things. Sometimes he would try Marcus Camby next to Patrick. Sometimes that wasn't great. Sometimes it was point is he tried and Tibbs doesn't really do that at all. And it's getting very frustrating. And yeah. obviously if you see something's not working, you have to try something different. And I'm not going to come on here and say I know all the answers. I don't. Nobody does. Um, if, if you want Tibbs gone at this point, I can't go against you anymore. Um, I'd rather Tibbs just make some changes. I don't know if he's going to. That's the thing. Like, yeah. I don't know how good Obi Toppin is. Nobody does. I don't know if Obi Toppin is a better is a, is a poor man's Amari Stoudemire. I don't know if he's better than Amari Stoudemire. Maybe he's better than Kevin Garnett. I'm kidding. You know what I'm saying? But we we don't know. We don't know. Me personally, I think he's very good. But he's all, he was also the, a lottery pick in the top 10. He can't be playing 10 minutes a game. Not anymore. Yeah. And it's just, it's not, and it's funny because the, Knicks, the New York Knicks are only six and seven. It right. feels, and I've been, and, and considering the last 20 years, being six and seven after 13 games actually isn't horrible. There's been the years where we're eight games under 500 after 15 games. Yeah. But it's the way we're playing basketball. It's thank you. Very disart disheartening. It's very dysfunctional. It, it seems as of right now, Tibbs has lost the team. I don't think the players have, have any issues with Tibbs. What I think, and this is just my personal opinion, is that players always get affected by trade rumors. And they're, they're human beings. They're 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 allowed to. But my thing is, I've really been thinking about this lately. These guys were dragged through the mud all summer. And it seemed like it was a, it was the Donovan Mitchell trade was definitely going to happen. Um, and, you know, whether it was going to be Obi in the deal, Grimes in the deal, McBride in the deal, you know, what the ball boy in the deal, whether it was going to be a pizza maker, a pizza Suprema in the deal, everybody was talked about in the deal. So it seemed like it was definitely going to happen. And then the deal doesn't happen. Then you have to go to training camp a few days later. And I really wonder how much that affected this basketball team. Not making excuses, but that's a lot. That's a lot. Listen, I think for me, and I think I've, I've said it at, at volume at this point, I think Tom Thibodeau is not a great defensive coach for this NBA. I think the last time you could definitively say that might was be when- right was when he was with the Bulls, really, for me. Because I feel like when he was with Minnesota, the game was starting to change at that point. Yep, with the Bulls, it wasn't yet. And that Bulls team right. had a bunch of dogs. You right. Joe Kim Noah and Kirk Heinrich, Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose. Right. Um, you know, Keith Bogans, right? They had a bunch yeah, of – They got like, Boozer, all these other guys. Boozer. I mean, yeah. I mean, they had a great of, squad. Yeah, they had a great squad, but – They have John Solomons, too, for a minute. Yeah, right. They and had they a, were, they were defending the paint a lot, right? They, but they were paint defenders, right? They were very good at defending the paint. And Thibs's teams are usually very good at defending the paint. And the three wasn't really a factor uh, then. So for me, I think I think Thibs has to go his own way. I think this team needs a new voice. When a team drops 145 points on your team. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you lost But the lost problem is, my biggest fear, and again, if, if Leon fires Thibs tomorrow, I get it. And you're not going to – I just feel it's just going to go right back. I, I That's my biggest fear is that whoever we hire, everybody will be excited. And then a year from now, it's, it'll be something else. And 
I've always said this ever since Woody was here, or even D'Antoni. Whoever we hire, I want to. Now, obviously, no one's going to be Greg Popovich, you know. But like, whoever we hire, I want to be here ten years. You know, whether it's like you know Golden State with Steve Kerr, I feel Nick Nurse is going to be that with Toronto. Yes, I've seen that Quinn Schneider was kind of that with Utah. He was there a long time. You know, obviously, like I said, you're not going to get a, 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 you know, maybe a Jerry Sloan run or a Greg Popovich run. But at some point, you got to have some stability. I get it. If you want to move on from Tibbs, I'm not mad at it. But, like, it has to work. Like, you, it, it just, I'm so sick of this. You know, and the one thing I do disagree, I saw a take on Twitter. The relate to the players thing to me is bullshit. I don't think that matters at all. Um, but if it's a basketball thing. Like if you Fisdale related to the players, uh, he was one of the worst coaches in Knicks history. Uh, Derek Fisher related to the players, one of the worst coaches in Knicks history. So that I don't, I don't, I've seen that a few times on Twitter the last twenty four hours. Nah, the players actually fuck with Tibbs. Um, it's just Tibbs got to do something different. Um, also, the, you know Julius Randle. I, I like Julius Randle. Um, I, I respect everything he did during that once that one season. Nothing against Julius Randle. It's time for him to go. It's time for him to go. Yes. I think, and I think he's a good basketball player. He's a good dude. I think that would be for this team in this situation, the ultimate addition by subtraction, unfortunately. I 100% agree with you, Anthony. I, I think uh, I've said it before. Obi Toppin, play, he played 15 minutes against uh, the Thunder. Even though they gave up 43 points in the second and third, he still managed to somehow play Obi Toppin 15 minutes. Obi Toppin should not be playing 15 minutes at this, I agree. At this stage. I think he can't do anything else besides maybe rebound better and maybe have a post-up game a little bit more. I don't think he can really do much else with his time on the floor to ask for more minutes. He needs to get 20 yeah, I agree. plus minutes I'll, at this point. Obi needs to be playing a lot more. I don't know. I just I just don't know what they're doing right now. It's and again, it feels like we're two and thirty. Yes. We're only six and seven, but the reality is we have a five game West Coast trip coming up. So you could easily lose all five. You could maybe you win two, maybe you win three. Probably not. I, I'm not a betting man, so I wouldn't bet on winning three, but Something has to change, and I would like to see Tibbs make that change. I just don't think he's gone. And that's why I think he's going to go, because he's not going to make the changes needed. He was supposed to make these changes for a while, do lineup adjustments for a while. He He's reactive to things very late. He's not proactive with the approach at all. And, and here's just the thing. Reactive. He's that's such it. a basketball savant. Right. Like He lives and breathes basketball. So that's what's kind of weird to me also, because the man loves basketball. So, like – you would think he would adapt. Anthony, if I had the answers, man, I wish I could explain it to you. I don't think I like anybody has it. I really like him. Like, I love his fire. I love his passion. So why can't he just change a few things and still have that passion? Because I think the players mess with him. They do. Because he's like, you know, I think we have dogs on our team. I thought we did. Why doesn't he just make some changes? And I don't know that answer. I'm not going to claim to either. I don't know. I don't know it either, man. Before I let Anthony go here today, which has been a great episode, Anthony, I really appreciate you. Yeah, no uh, problem. My pleasure. Uh, sticking by with us. Just last thing, because we're going to see the Jazz versus the uh, Knicks game tomorrow. Yep. The Jazz, what, what are they, like 15 and 0? <laughs> That's what it feels like. I don't know how they trade away their all star players. Get Laurie Markin, who's probably going to win. Let me tell you this right now. 
You see this um nice thing of coconut water I'm drinking? Yeah. I wouldn't trade this with Danny Ainge. Because <laughs> if Danny snake. Ainge wants my coconut water, he knows something about it that I don't. Yep. So I am I'm keeping this coconut water. Yeah, yeah, you know no. I hundred percent feel you. Listen, how he's managed to do this, how Laurie Markinen has unlocked himself and really has become in the running, probably the runaway favorite at this point, right behind him is probably SGA for most improved players. Yeah. He's playing out of his mind. It's crazy. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Well, I don't know where this was in Chicago or Cleveland, but if Cleveland had found it, ooh, but not like this. No yeah, way yeah, like no, this. I get it. I get he's it. like Euro basketball unlocked. He went to the Euro League, came yeah. back, and blew it up. I- I'm very worried about this Knicks team playing yeah. against this Jazz team. Especially with are... those fans out there. It's, it's, it's a tough one. Who, would you, who do you think is coming out on top? I mean, you could, before the game, I'm always going to say the Knicks. Doesn't mean I really think. That's why I don't bet. <laughs> okay. That's why I don't gamble. Right. So I'm always going to say the Knicks. We could be 0-79. I'd be like, the Knicks got this. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, read my tweets from today. You watch this interview. I know what I'm talking about. But I'll never say the Knicks are going to lose. I can't do that. I 100% for you. I'm not saying I, – I look, I don't want them to lose. I think that every If I had is... to bet, if I had to bet, like, my apartment, or if I'm going to be homeless, yeah, the Knicks will probably lose tomorrow. But right. I'm rooting for them. I'm always going to be rooting for the Knicks. I, you know, obviously, uh, orange and blue all day. But if we're talking about team talent and chemistry-wise right now – the Jazz look like they got that all locked no, down. I don't know. know how. And the Knicks can't seem to find it. So know, it's going to be – yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, I hope the Knicks can pull out a victory. I want them to. Uh, it's going to be – like you said, it's going to be a really tough uh, road trip coming up. We have Denver, the Warriors, and Phoenix coming up after the Utah game. Yeah. It's going to be one of the toughest schedules that we're going to face. So I hope we can come out through <laughs> it. Uh, Anthony, again, please make sure you follow my man, Anthony, at Anthony MSG on all social platforms. He's been great, amazing. Again, has his medal intact, killing it like always. Really appreciate you again, Anthony. Thank and, you so much uh, for having me, my man. Of course, of course, man. We appreciate you coming on, and you're always welcome, man. I have but a good we'll, we'll definitely do it again. Absolutely. But until next time, fans, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. Peace out, Nick fans. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday.